Hi, this is Rose Fullerton, a.k.a. 80s Music Girl. And when I'm not jamming to 80s music, I'm listening to Set Lusting Bruce. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson, and joining me tonight is a fellow Bruce podcaster. Who knew there were that many of us? Introduce yourself, Lee. Hey, what's happening? I'm Lee McCormick. I uh, just started this Bruce Springsteen podcast called Tramps Like Us uh, just earlier in this year. And uh, yeah, just having lots of fun with it, talking about Bruce, playing some Bruce music, and just like just delving into just every aspect of this guy's career. What we can talk about his music, his band, his songwriting, his albums—just endless things to discuss. You know, I just love it. It, it really is. Um, there's such a diversity and such a legacy of Bruce that it is easy to talk about it. For sure, yeah, and I've all, I've, I've listened, I like listening to a lot of podcasts on different bands and stuff like that, and I was always a fan of these podcasts, and there wasn't very many on Springsteen, and I just wanted to do one. I thought Springsteen would be a good uh, thing to get going, and I know he's got such a rabid fan base, and like we said, he's just got an endless you know catalog and wealth of material to discuss. So, so you, you decide know, why not? Decided why not, and I went to. Uh, I saw one of the river tours in Toronto here last February, and I was just, you know, pumped up. And I'm like, ah, I got to do more. I got to do more. Let's start a podcast. Yeah, and I've just been having fun with it ever since, you know. Well, very good. Well, I'm going to get to that in a little bit. I want to start out with, tell me about. I want to hear your musical origin story. Talk to me about your family background. What kind of music you listened to growing up? You know, what kind of music they listened to, and then getting into high school. You know, what was your music of choice? What What were you listening to? Right. Well, music was a big part of my life since I was a little kid. I remember getting my first uh, first 45s, like I had a few Elvis 45s and stuff like that, and I had a little Mickey Mouse record player. And I'm talking like age three or four, I would play these records all the time, right? So always a lot of music going on in my family. Uh, music was always encouraged and stuff like that. Um, as I was growing up, I just became a hardcore music fan from the age of like five or six. I always started buying records and saving up my allowance and collecting money so I could buy music. It was all music, 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 right? Just diverse artists. I like a lot of rock and roll. I like a lot of the 50s and 60s acts like Elvis and the Monkees and the Rolling Stones and Johnny Cash and that stuff. And then I was also a fan of some of the music of sort of my generation. I was big on the 70s rock, uh, hard rock bands like Kiss and Black Sabbath and stuff like that. And in the 80s, I got into... You know, I was in Duran Duran, and I was in the Stray Cats and Bruce Springsteen, of course. And, uh, yeah, I've just always been a huge music fan. And then, Well, Lee, were your parents big music fans? Yeah, the, my parents, a lot of musicality in my family, right? Like, a lot of us play guitar and sing, and so there's always records playing. My dad is a big, like, Elvis fan and Gordon mm-hmm. Lightfoot. Play all, always records playing. As a young boy, I always remember music in the house and everywhere, you know? Yeah, okay, interesting. When did you graduate high school? Uh, early 90s, I guess. Okay. Yeah, so. Okay. Just kind of, you know, gets a feeling for your era growing up. 
Yeah, so I went through high school, and then I, I was such a music fan. I, I wanted to give my best at having a career as a musician, right? So I'd, I'd studied uh, drums and guitar ever since I was 11, 12. So then I pursued uh, studying music in Humber College following high school. And I just, you know, delved deeper and deeper into, uh, you know, being a musician, being a songwriter, and that kind of thing. Oh, very interesting. Cool. So how did you find Bruce? Well, I'd always known Bruce, like the hits growing sure. up, right? I'd hear of Hungry Heart and Born to Run. And he had a few hits that I, I was aware of. Um, it wasn't until the Born in the USA album that it actually kind of became a part of me. Like, I was about 10 years old when that record came out. And I just remember that record coming out in the summer of 84 and just being the soundtrack to my summer. And he, he was playing a couple of shows here at the big stadium, and I really wanted to go. And I was at that age where... You know, you're kind of at the mercy of your parents where they're going to, if they, if they want to take you, you're going. If they don't want to take you, you're not going, right? So I couldn't go to this show and it was breaking my heart, but I just kind of became a big fan during that 84, 85 stretch where he was just like ubiquitous and on everywhere. MTV videos and seven singles over the course of 12 months or something like that. You know, like he played five shows in Toronto, I think, in a 12 month period here and they were all like 30, 40,000 people at each show. So he was just everywhere there. And that was the, that was the moment kind of where Springsteen kind of became my own, right? Like he was, he was a uh, part of the, the current mainstream scene then, you know? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So I really grabbed onto Springsteen during that era of the eighties. And I was just, you know, a huge fan ever since. And then I would, I went back into the catalog and I remember doing a babysitting job for my aunt and she was getting ready to pay me at the end of the night. And I was like, actually, um, can I have this? Springsteen River album instead because <laughs> you had the River album and I remember playing it like twice while I was babysitting so yeah so that was my payment instead of the babysitting money that night that is awesome that's a great story by the way it, you talking about being at the mercy of your parents reminds me uh, we had Peter from Blogness on the Edge of Town yeah and he told the story that when Bruce was playing his parents like you just saw Huey Lewis in the news. You don't need to go to another show. Because <laughs> in their mind, it was the same. One rock and roll show is another rock and roll show. Exactly. And I was lucky. Like, my parents did take me to some things. Like, I, they took me to see Kiss in 83, and I saw right. Six Popper in 84 and stuff like that. And I guess I was just, they were seeing that, like, this guy wants to go to everything. I, I, was, I was just loving music so much. You know, I wanted to, I was hooked on rock concerts the first time they took me to one, you know, so... They couldn't take me to the mall, so that one I had to mm-hmm. miss. So um, I always want to throw this out there before I ask this question. I, I don't believe that the number of times you've seen Bruce live is an accurate barometer of how big of a fan you are because there's so many circumstances that drive how often you see him, where you live, what your True. you know situation. But yeah. just for the record, how many times have you seen him live? I've seen Bruce 10 times now. Okay. Uh, first show I saw was, uh, I didn't get to see him until May of 2000. He played uh, Toronto on the reunion tour, and that was the first show I saw. And um, obviously he didn't disappoint. No, I've always said that was what a great show to be your first Springsteen show, right? Like, I, I took me a while. Like, he, he probably played about four or five times in Toronto since that sort of uh, Born in the USA tour. And I just, you know, circumstances, I just couldn't get to the shows. But I finally saw him in 2000, the reunion tour where you had the E Street Band back, and he's playing that great, you know, greatest hit set list. 
and the band was rejuvenated and the band was kind of on the last leg of the reunion tour. So they were polished and oh, it was just a phenomenal night. Just like I'd always heard about the Springsteen lore of the live show, right? Like being a fan since the early eighties. And now I'm finally getting to see a show like, you know, 15, 16 years later. And is it true? Is it true? And it's definitely true. It's a religious spirit, man. It totally moved me. Like I, <laughs> Motion, emotions poured out of me that night I didn't think I had, you know. <laughs> yeah, um, so, you know, my first show was the 2002 reunion, uh, the uh, at Reunion Arena, the Rising Tour. Right. And uh, I've told this story before, so my frequent listeners, I apologize, uh, but I – I had not really listened to The Rising before I went to the show, and so I knew some songs, but some I didn't, Right. and I loved the show, but it felt like I'd gone into a movie halfway into it. And, really? and I, I kind really, of like that, actually, though. You know, sometimes yeah. I, like to hear a, before, I like to hear the song performed by the artist before I hear it on the record sometimes. Yes. You know, because it's kind of like, like here, I'm going to play this song for you that you've never heard, and I'm, now I'm listening to a song fresh. That's a kind of a, it's a different experience you can kind of get into, I think. And I absolutely, and, you know, so when I would put on um, The Rising, I kept going, darn, this was great live. I wish I could go back now and see it, you know, now that I'm really familiar with it. So mm -hmm. um, since then, like the next time I had a chance to see him was the Devil and Dust tour, and man, I played that Devils and Dust CD over and over and over again. So yeah. I'm like, whatever song he plays from this CD, <laughs> I'm ready. Um, yeah, I really like that that tour and that album. A lot of oh, people kind of don't really get into that, but I I love that one. I think it's great. I think so too, Lee. I felt like um, it was really an intimate. He told a lot of stories. He talked about why he written the songs, and you know if you've ever seen the VH1 Storytellers, yeah, you know it's a whole show like that, and it was a fascinating, great kind of look into his psyche and what he was doing. Really, a uh, really fun stage setup too. Right? Like he had like these cool like old lamps set up and like little like end tables with tablecloths on them, and then he just had his barrage of instruments, you know, like pianos, yeah. keyboards, harmoni harmoniums, guitars, and he's just like. Okay, here's my playground. What do I feel like playing next? Oh, let's go over to this harmonium and play a song. Oh, let's pick up this uh, Gretsch guitar and play a song. You know, it just seemed very loose. And it's here's this guy just kind of playing what he wants to play for you. You know, in your in his living room. <laughs> yeah, it really did feel like that we were there. The other thing someone told me was it was almost like if you he ever was a guest lecturer at a university, and like okay, I'm going to give a lecture on creating creativity and music it felt like that's what okay i'm going to talk about this and i'm going to play a little bit yeah. so it was fascinating um Great. did you see you said you mentioned you saw some of the river tour yeah so then like the last show i saw i guess i saw the the river tour we played here in toronto in february and uh yeah it was great loved it man wow. what did um how did it feel you know because some people were unhappy that he was doing the river entirety yeah. and i was just uh, of course i'm easy you know whatever he wants to play i'm happy and i'm there yeah i love that stuff man he's an artist right and he's gonna do what he wants to do and you're either you come along for the ride or you're just, you don't buy a ticket for this one like he was up front and said he we're playing the river and how can you argue man this is a guy that's played 
how many songs has he played over the last 15 years? Like different songs, hundreds and hundreds of songs. Like he makes right. the set list, up, set list up total, totally like every night. And I thought it was just great to see, wow, the band, the East Street band finally has like a cemented set list that they can work on and that they can prove on and they can, you know, you come at it from a different standpoint standpoint when you're a professional musician on stage and it's kind of nice to have you know a set list that you can work with and you know what's coming next and you can prepare for it you can work on things night after night and perfecting that show and i I really got into that you know yeah you're the first person that's brought that up in our discussion and i think that's a fascinating way to look at it now I was really I, – I ended up seeing four shows on that leg just by circumstances, just pure luck and the grace of my lovely bride. And you know, I enjoyed each one. It didn't yeah. – you know, seeing how tight the band was and how much joy they had in playing together, um, I think it's very – I think they're very aware – of their mortality as a band, and I don't mean that in a morbid way. It's just the reality is there's there is less highway in front of them than there is behind them. Yeah, you can tell they're counting their blessings. They're happy that they have who's ever remaining left on stage with them. You know, they're uh, they just know that they're blessed and they're in this place and they're just kind of enjoying every moment that they can. You can tell that on stage. It's amazing. It it really is. Um, and so now, are you going to get a chance to see the second leg in the U.S.? No, unfortunately, I can't do it. I'm kind of uh, laid up with some uh, with a herniated disc, sciatica pain. So oh, as much no. as I'd love to stand on the floor of MetLife Stadium for four hours and watch one of those shows, I just physically can't do it. So I'm going to have to bow out and mm-hmm. hopefully catch them down the road. Hopefully they're not done. Hopefully they got a few more tours and left in them. You know. I hope so. I agree too. Um, they just, as we're recording this, it's September first. They announced they're doing a special. If you buy all three of the Met Live Stadium uh, shows, you save a few bucks. Um, yeah, and, whatever. Yeah, those are cool. Yeah, it is very cool. I I had kind of wished that they had cameras and they were going to do a long blu-ray of the kind of the best of the three nights yeah but it was you amazing might to, uh, you might have to dig underground to find something yeah, like we that. may have to do that <laughs> absolutely I'm sure it's out there if you look hard enough yeah. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> um so um do you have any albums or songs of bruce's or the bands that mean a great deal to you that have kind of helped you through some rough times or uh, sure yeah i got i got like i got my favorites you know but there's always songs that kind of just show up every once in a while to depending on the mood i'm in you know like i'm when i saw i remember i had a moment at that river show i saw when he played the price you pay which is just one of my favorite songs and right and that was the first time i'd ever heard it played live and i remember when they just kicked off that intro i just felt this wave of emotion come over me just hearing him play that song live and those lyrics really kind of reflect on kind of my life and the period i'm at at this point so that was a moment for me for sure hearing that song at that show you know i i've shared this with other people but i was never a big fan of independence day i didn't dislike it i just you know it was a song and to hear him tell the story about his father and how you know the implication is I'm now my father's age, and I'm seeing my children look at me the way I looked at my father. Yeah. 
made me just feel so emotion. I have a 27 year old that's we're now very close, but you know during high school and a, you know part of college we were all three of us, my wife and my son and I, you know went through some tough times because you know you, that's what you're supposed to do as a young person. You're rebelling. You're getting your own. You know finding your own way, and that was I was surprised how much that song meant to me. Yeah, that's and that whole album kind of goes that way too. Like he starts before he starts playing the show, he talks about you know what he was trying to do with the album. He was trying to you know show some of the live show on record. He wanted some of those fun party songs. He wanted songs about family. He wanted songs about love, heartbreak, sex, romance. You know, and he kind of goes through all those emotions through each song. And there's like one minute you're dancing to Sherry Darling and then he hits you with Independence Day and then there's that side with stolen car on it and you're just like, whoa. <laughs> this is a roller coaster, you know? It really is, Lee. And and I also thought it was very interesting. I'd like your, as someone who, and we're going to talk about this a little bit, has, I, I've seen your YouTube channel and I know you were a musician in your own right, but to see someone in his 60s go back to this album he did in his late 20s, early 30s. I didn't do the math right. But from this perspective, to revisit that album, I thought was fascinating. Yeah, I guess he did it once in 2009, I guess, the end of that, working on a dream tour, that he was doing some albums, uh, full albums. And he did one, I guess he did The River once at Madison Square Garden, and I guess he remembered it came off pretty well and it worked well as like a like a, a, a piece you know a big act of a show so i guess he was always had that in the back of his mind that this would be a cool thing to do and then i guess with uh, coinciding with the river box coming out there it just seemed you know perfect to do a to do a show to do a tour and here it's extended to like almost like a year-long tour you know <laughs> and and you know as we talked about this was the tour we weren't supposed to get I mean, you know, this yeah. was, in fact... Nils, Nils had a tour booked, right? He has had a solo album and a tour booked, and he had to cancel the whole thing because Bruce was like, now nah, you coming with me. <laughs> yeah, I, absolutely, because I remember seeing um, Neil's tickets were going to go on sale here in Dallas, and all of a sudden they weren't there. Yeah. And, um, and it's just, you know, talk about a blessing. And then when you look at, you know, the Europe sets and then... You know, and now then how he's just tearing it up here in the U.S. Um, <laughs> it's crazy. He just keeps on going, just keeps topping himself. It is. And I feel um, there is a sense of nostalgia, not in a maudlin way, but, you know, his autobiography's coming out. Um, he's kind of doing a retrospective of his career. And, um, and I think he's in a good place. Yeah. And I think, the, yeah. And I think the band's in a good place. Well, the band is sounding good. Like the, this, what I think, I, the thing I loved about the river tour is that it's the stripped down East street band. And by stripped down, I mean, it's like a 10 piece band, which right. doesn't yes. sound stripped down. <laughs> which but, is funny, isn't it? Like, you yeah, know. I know. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a small band, but like, yeah, he like the wrecking ball, to, uh, wrecking ball tour. He had like, 
you know, 15, 16 guys on stage and it's good, but it's just a little too much for me. You know, like it's when you have that many people on stage, it's, it's a little harder to hear Steven's background vocals. You know, it's a little harder to pick out what Max is actually playing on the drums when there's a guy playing percussion and stuff like that. So I don't know. Some of that stuff I think is a little too much. I've always said I would love to see a, like a stripped down Bruce Springsteen rock band, E street band. Like uh, if you would just go out there with a four piece band, like him, Max, uh, Gary and Steve or something like that. Yeah. And play, play his songs like with just a four piece rock band. Like mm-hmm. I would love that, you know, you, so you've answered one of my questions I usually ask, and which I'm so glad because, you know, I I think all of us enjoy both, but you know, there's the E Street Band Orchestra, yeah. or the E Street Band on steroids, as some people call it. And then I do think it's funny that you know, as many people on stage were calling it the stripped down version, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and so I. If you had asked me before these shows, I would have said, oh, I want the orchestra. I love the background singers. I love the horns. Um, I now don't know if I – I don't know if I could pick because as stripped down as they are, what a full, rich sound they're giving. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, like I think – it was cool because when Clarence passed away, it's like, how are you going to replace Clarence? So he, instead of replacing Clarence, he replaced Clarence with an entire horn section. Yes. You know? So it's not as hard to take. And right. now this time for the first tour, Jake's up there all by himself, like filling the shoes and he's doing a great job. So, yeah, you know, sometimes you make that joke. Um, there was the Texas Rangers, the local baseball team, um, the great Chuck Morgan, who was the PA announcer, left for a year, and they ended up having to hire three people to do the jobs he did. <laughs> you know, it took three people to replace yeah. him. Well, and I Clarence thought, is a big thing, dude, man. Right? Clarence is a very big man. <laughs> and, um, and, and I also think Jake has found his own and really good. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been really nice. Well, it's a uh, tough gig to do. It's a tough gig, you know, like. It is. Imagine, like, those songs and, like, who knows how much, like, rehearsal they have. Or right. Bruce is calling songs and he's got to play these, like, solos. It's uh-huh. he's doing a good job. Well, yeah, and I, I had a question. Um, there's many things I would want to ask Jake, but what of it is, okay, on Dancing in the Dark, when uh, Bruce is trying to figure out who he's going to dance with. Like, Jake, do you ever get just tired? Like, okay, pick up somebody quick now, Bruce, okay? <laughs> I, you know, because he just, Jake's doing it. Yeah, he's that's the Over and, and over and over and over again while they're doing that. That's just too funny. <laughs> so, um, very nice. Hey, um, so uh, you talked a little bit, but um, so you you decided that you just needed to talk about uh, Bruce. So talk to me a little bit about the roots of, you know, the podcast, what you were trying to accomplish and, you know, talk a little bit about your highlights if someone wants to go back and check. Yeah, cool. Um, well, see. I just jumped into it. Eh? Like, I, like I said, I'm a fan of a lot of podcasts out there. I listen to them at work. I listen to them when I'm commuting. And there's a lot of podcasts guys do where they're kind of just talking about music, certain things focused on bands like Kiss or the Monkees or 
uh, Cheap Trick. There's a lot of podcasts like that I listen to. There's also various podcasts where guys just talk about different different uh, songs and they'll play some vinyl and they'll just, you know, just general music things with different things in general and different topics. And I've always kind of thought about, yeah, I could do something like this. I'm a creative guy. You know, my music career is kind of slowing down. I'm not getting as many gigs as I used to. So I just kind of wanted something creative to do. So I just figured, like I said, that show, the River Tour, I saw it was so great. I just wanted my Bruce fandom to continue after I saw the show. So I just wanted to do more. So I just figured I'd set up a podcast and just see where it take me and took me. And I'm uh, kind of getting the hang of it, really digging doing it. Um, I, I kind of got a posse of people that I've I've got on as guests. Kind of I try and get like at least one co-host, different person for each episode, and we'll just pick a topic. And uh, we'll just discuss it. Like, I've done album reviews. I did one on Working on a Dream, where uh, Tom England helped me out, and we just kind of went track by track, discussed those. I I really enjoyed that episode. Um, I was lucky enough to get Tom on my show after he had done Working on the Highway, and and I thought that was a really good episode. I especially liked – Mitch has been on mine a couple of times. He's super uh, passionate. Bruce yeah. fan and your summer songs was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was a good one. I encourage people to check that one. While we still got a few weeks left of summer, we counted down each of our, our uh, top five summer songs. Yes, really cool. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Yeah, and I'm actually getting into the kind of production end of the podcast, you know. So I'm really enjoying like just seeing where the conversation goes, and then you know dropping in a little music cue behind or a little clip or something like that. Like I really enjoyed the longest episode I did which was, I think, almost like two hours, ten minutes, which I did up uh, E Street Band member spotlight on uh, Max Weinberg. Ah, yes. Yeah, and I love Max Weinberg, so I just kind of talked about, uh, from a drummer's perspective, Max's influences on music and his his upbringing. And, uh, you know, I played some clips and I had some uh, sound bites from him. And, yeah, it's just really fun putting together kind of like a radio program, you know, with some dialogue, some music clips, some interviews with the artists. It's really fun. So, Lee, what are you? What are some shows you're hoping to do in the future? Um, well, we're doing. I've, I've kind of some of these topics I've realized can't be covered in one episode, right? right. So I've got some of these recurring themed shows. One of the one we have is called uh, Cover Me, which obviously we talk about Bruce Springsteen cover songs. So we're up to I think volume three now, where we kind of pick one song of Bruce covering somebody else. And then we'll pick five songs of somebody else covering Bruce songs, right? So we'll discuss each of those songs. So those are cool episodes. I've also done one uh, with another great co-host, BJ Cramp, uh, called Loose Ends, where we're talking about Bruce non-album tracks. So that's like all outtakes, extra stuff on greatest hits things. And you want to talk about a wealth of a quantity and quality of material that hasn't been released like Springsteen, man, we could go forever. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> on, on, the, on the songs that haven't appeared on official albums, you know? Right. Yeah. So we have that. Plus we we got so many more album reviews to do. Like, uh, I've, I've started with one, but I, you know, eventually like to get through them all. I wanted to start somewhere in the middle. You know, I didn't want to do, t- uh, all my favorite albums up front mm-hmm. and do all my least favorites. So I kind of started in the middle, but we'll do, we'll do them all eventually. And, Hopefully, do some more E Street Band member spotlights, and you know we'll talk about current events and whatever else Bruce decides to give us. We'll talk about. Yeah, I'm sure we're gonna do both of us, um, and who knows, we may do another joint session, uh, you know, on a book review after we've read it. Um, I'm gonna raise my hand and go. If you need someone to talk Tunnel of Love, 
Um, I'd love to join you and kind of discuss that. So put my hat out there. Yeah, Uh, Tunnel Love is one of my favorite records. I think that's either five or six. That one and Magic are like tied for five or six. They split back and forth. But uh, Tunnel of Love is a great record that grew on me as I grew older. When it first came out, I was 13, I think. And I didn't really get some of these adult relationship issues, you know. But as you go through life and you get older and you get your heart breaking a few times and you fall in love a few times, some of these songs start to really hit home. And That's the great thing with Springsteen. Like, his music can go with you for a lifetime. There'll be certain points in your life where certain songs will kind of stand out better than others, you know. I absolutely agree, Lee. Uh, I remember reading this years ago. You know, someone said that Tunnel of Love was, you know, the you know, the documentation of a breakup of a marriage. And you know, when you listen to it, you do hear that. And it is. Um, I got to get. Um, they did tougher than the rest on the 25th show. I was at the middle MetLife. Um, stadium tour and that was a highlight for me to get something from tunnel of love that was amazing that's a great tougher than the rest is great too yeah yeah so um as you said we're hoping he's not gonna uh he's gonna keep touring um do you have a couple of wish lists of songs you hope to hear him perform live Uh, wish list of songs well there's 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 a lot you know like trying to think have i seen all my favorites he's probably played all my favorites oh that's I've never seen, wrong with that actually be true is one of my favorites that's in my top five i've never seen that perform live okay be true is one i need to see in person one day mm-hmm. <laughs> uh I, I, see i like his rockers eh? like i love pink cadillac i love like stand on it i love yeah tv movie I love that. I love those kind of rocking, rocking songs. Like that's what I was saying earlier. I would love to see a, a like a smaller band, like a three-piece, four-piece yeah. band. Like I, I had that thought when I heard the uh, "You Can Look But You Better Not Touch" rockabilly version off the River Box. Yes, I the Bind album, and I was just like, wow, it's cool to hear Bruce with just him on guitar, Gary on bass, and Max playing drums, and then piano comes in for the third verse. But you know, I would love to hear. Imagine hearing Born to Run with just a three or four piece band, like no, no piano, just like it would work, man. I, I would love but, to see that. Yeah. yeah. So, so Lee, talk a little about uh, your music. What um, what have you been doing and share a little bit? Where can we hear it? Well, I start like I went out of a graduated Humber College as a drummer, played as a sideman for a lot of people, did tours across the country, recorded as a session man. And then around uh, five or so years after that, I kind of just got sick of playing covers and bars and stuff like that. And I really focused on being a songwriter and my own artist. And I put together a band called Moon Violet, started writing my songs, uh, put out about three or four CDs over the last 10 or 15 years. And we tour and we play. Uh, You can check me out. My website is moonviolet.com. And you'll see some links to some of my music there you can check out. And uh, my music is kind of just rock and roll. I love 50s rock and roll. I love country. I love kind of roots, roots rock. So it's kind of a mix of all that stuff. You know, kind of Americana from a Canadiana. <laughs> Canadiana. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know. <laughs> I'll put a link in the show notes so people can yeah. see it. Very cool. Well, very nice. Um, and then d- d- where can people find your show? 
Uh, website is uh, trampslikeuspod.com, and you can uh, download the episodes there for free. You can listen to them for free. And we're also on iTunes. Just search Tramps Like Us or Bruce Springsteen Podcast, and that'll pop up, and that's free on there. And we also have a Facebook group page if you want to check that out. Same thing again, Tramps Like Us, Bruce Springsteen Podcast. So uh, check us out. That's where we kind of... Talk about the episodes with the uh, with the fans, you know, and we'll get ideas for future th- subjects and things like that. Awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, Lee, I, I'm just so happy. I don't – I just can't – there isn't an – I just think it's amazing and there's room for so many people because everyone who podcasts about Bruce kind of does a little different, um, yeah. you know, twist on it and – it, it's just great. So I appreciate you taking time tonight and visiting with me. Um, hang tight while I do a little business. If you want to be on the podcast and talk about Bruce and all that implies, email me at setlustingbruce at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook page and a Twitter account at setlustingbruce. Please check that out. I just started an Instagram uh, account with setlustingbruce. I posted some pictures of the the Met. Um, show and on the Stan Goldsmith uh, tour that I went on, which was amazing, and I'm going to have him on in hopefully in a few weeks to talk about it. And both of us would appreciate you going to iTunes to rate and review us. Um, when people do searches for Bruce Springsteen podcast, the higher ratings and the more reviews you have is the higher it shows up on the feed, and it helps people find us. And that's why we're doing this for, right, Lee? Absolutely. Get more yeah. people to listen to it, and we'll have better shows, and uh, get people to be more part of it and interactive. And Yes. And uh, I appreciate it so much. Uh, this has been a blast. We're going to end with, so let the game start. You better run your little wild heart. You can run through all the nights and all the days, but just across the county line, a stranger passing through put up a sign that counts that men fallen away to the price you pay. The girl before the end of the day, I'm going to tear it down and throw it all away. (laughs) Yeah, love it. I just got goosebumps. Even (laughs) just reading it, I got shivers down my spine. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, Lee. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.